Google feels the force of GDPR, discussing the findings of Cisco's 2019 privacy maturity benchmark study, and are we at the end of the crypto miner crime gold rush? These stories and more in this week's ISMG Security Report. Hello, I'm Nick Holland. It appears the chickens are coming home to roost for data privacy infractions that have run foul of GDPR. France on Monday imposed a $57 million fine against Google for violations of the EU's General Data Protection Regulation, or GDPR as it's more commonly known, sending a strong message to the technology giant that its privacy and data collection practices are inadequate. Jeremy Kirk, Managing Editor of Security and Technology at ISMG, has more. Less than a year after GDPR went into effect, the first big hammer has come down. Earlier this week, France's National Data Protection Commission imposed a 50 million euro fine against Google. It's the largest fine handed out so far under the General Data Protection Regulation, which is intended to better protect Europeans' personal data. The fine won't hurt Google financially, but it does signal that European regulators will be looking closely at the tech company's operations, which could eventually lead to profit impacting fines. The commission said that the fine was justified in that Google's data collection practices violated GDPR rules around transparency and informed consent. The commission concluded that Google violated two aspects of GDPR. First, the agency alleges that Google does not transparently communicate the scope of data processing used for targeted advertisements when someone creates an account. Secondly, Google violates GDPR's requirement to ensure that consent from consumers is specific and unambiguous. It criticized the documentation that Google shows to users as too generic and vague. The company also pre-ticks a box that allows for targeted advertising, and consumers have to untick the box to stop it. In response, Google said it was studying the commission's report and that it was committed to following GDPR. The fine levied against Google will likely only be the beginning of an intense focus on data collection and privacy practices in the U.S. and Europe. That pressure has intensified over the last year. Facebook is facing various legal actions over a scandal in which the personal information for 87 million users was improperly funneled to Cambridge Analytica, the now-defunct voter profiling firm. Combined with large data breaches and numerous other privacy scandals, GDPR is driving increased interest in data privacy and security legislation in the U.S., which lacks the federal privacy law. Last week, Senator Marco Rubio introduced the American Data Dissemination Act. The act would provide consumers with basic rights and increased transparency around their data. Although the appetite within President Donald Trump's administration for new regulation is low, the growing security and privacy risks around the freewheeling data trade could trigger broad support for the legislation. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Jeremy Kirk. You're listening to the ISMG Security Report on ISMG Radio. ISMG, your number one source for information security news. While keeping on the subject of GDPR, Cisco has just released its second annual privacy maturity benchmark study, and ISMG's SVP of editorial, Tom Field, got to sit down and discuss the findings with Cisco's chief privacy officer, Michelle Dennedy. The full interview is available to listen to across ISMG's online publications, and in this excerpt, Tom asked Michelle what she found most different from this year's results. Spoiler alert, it's about GDPR. Well, I think the interesting thing is 
we're still seeing lots and lots of companies who are not yet quite up to speed with GDPR readiness. We're seeing about 59% saying, woohoo, we're GDPR, we've crossed the line. 29% ready to be in about a year, 9% over a year, even though the enforcement deadline has come and gone May 25th of last year in 2018, and only 3%, and this is a global sample, 3,000 customers globally, 3% only say that GDPR doesn't apply to them wherever they are on the planet. It's pretty amazing. 97% of the world is covered by a regional law in GDPR. That's, that's pretty amazing stuff. So is there a silver lining to the rather ominous black cloud of GDPR enforcement and its significant fines? Michelle Dennedy thinks there is. Here she is again. Yes, the fines are huge. 4% of your revenue, not profit, revenue worldwide is as a possible outlier restriction and, and penalty. We've not yet seen the eye-watering um, consequences and fines yet because a lot of the, the breaches that are being addressed right now happen before the compliance deadline. So yeah, that's scary, that's downside. But what we're seeing is these companies that have already put the investment in getting ready for not just GDPR, but GDPR and rest of world, or GDPR row, if you will, they are seeing an improvement in their shortened sales cycles where you have questions about security or privacy. I call that sales friction or a sales delay. And we start counting the clock as soon as a customer says, I've got a problem with security or privacy. And then we put the flag down once that issue has been resolved. Last year we saw about two months delay. Now we're seeing about a month and a week delay on average. That's a, that's a shorter delay. Part of that, and I think, you know, you have to think about a survey and its limitations, right? So causation correlation, but we have at least the correlated response that now that we've gotten awareness about data and data hygiene, data controls, we're seeing a shorter period of time taken to closing those deals. We're seeing folks that report that they are GDPR ready and GDPR rest of the world ready. They are looking at a lower impact of breaches, 74% witnessing reportable breaches versus 89% of those that are looking out over a year to be compliant are seeing and recognizing breaches. We're seeing the loss when you do have a breach to be less. We're seeing shorter system downtimes and faster getting back up times if you've taken the time and effort to not just be compliant, but really look at the investment in data as you're getting ready for GDPR and rest of world compliance, and now take it to the next level. Take that business and say, not only is good privacy good for compliance, good privacy is good for business. Cybercrime is like any business. It's all about supply and demand. One recent illustration of the laws of economics has been the rise and fall of crypto mining by cyber criminals. With Bitcoin at its peak in late 2017, criminals pivoted to stealing processing power to mine cryptocurrencies. Today, with Bitcoin and other virtual currencies just a fraction of what they were back then, and with little sign of a comeback, cyber criminals are losing interest. ISMD's executive editor, Data Breach Today in Europe, Matthew Schwartz, has the details. Cybercrime is a business, and the most successful attackers select tools that maximize their bang for the buck, or Bitcoin. Over the last year, there have been some notable changes, however, in how attackers are operating and who they're targeting. 
One surprise is cryptocurrency mining malware. Infections involving crypto miners, as they're known, began to surge in late 2017 as the value of cryptocurrencies skyrocketed. But toward the end of 2018, crypto miners began their decline. We saw crypto mining just totally drop. By now, we see the same detection numbers that we saw before. The value of Bitcoin shot through the roof last year. So we expect that the crypto craze, for now anyway, is over. That's Adam Kujawa, director of Malwarebytes Labs, which has just released a look at malware trends from last year. There are still some drive-by mining operations, but they're far fewer than they used to be. It seems like most cryptocurrencies have lost value and therefore criminals have lost the interest in, in trying to use them. I mean, at the end of the day, they're all about the low-hanging fruit. They're all about getting the easy pay. And when the Bitcoin value was huge and all the other cryptocurrencies kind of followed suit, then yeah, it was, a, it was an amazing time for them to be spreading miners. But now that's all changed. Malwarebytes says that one of the most common types of malware seen in the wild last year was WannaCry. That's surprising in part because the massive WannaCry outbreak, which infected at least 300,000 PCs in May 2017, spread in part thanks to exploits known as Eternal Blue and Eternal Romance. Both took advantage of unpatched SMB version 1 in Windows, and Microsoft rushed out patches to help. Today, however, there are still unpatched systems being exploited, as demonstrated by the ongoing WannaCry infections. Now, malware called Emotet includes the ability also to exploit Eternal Blue. The one-time banking trojan has since become more advanced, and it also includes the ability to install other malware, such as TrickBot, which in turn has been used to install Ryuk ransomware. Multiple security firms have told me that, looking beyond ransomware or crypto miners, Emotet is by far the most prevalent type of classic malware they're seeing. It includes the ability not just to drop malware, but also to steal information, as well as to give attackers remote access to infected systems. These are not abstract capabilities. Indeed, another takeaway from last year, according to Malwarebytes, is that some types of malware, including Ebitet, have been infecting consumers and business users at almost equal rates. That's unusual because any given strain of malware has historically infected many more consumers than businesses. Here's why Adam Kajawa thinks that's happening. Why are businesses being targeted? Now you've got these types of malware that before when they were just being spread in a wide net and you know getting uh, one or two grandmas affected a week, now they are focusing their efforts a little more, going after these businesses. And once they land, they're able to expand, they're able to spread very quickly throughout the network and get a foothold. And as we saw from the Ryuk ransomware attack, clearly there's some sort of either like background observation, investigation into who the victims are of Emotet because the Ryu ransomware didn't hit every single infected trick bot system in the world. It only hit a few as they were especially targeted. I, and we believe because Emotet and TrickBot were able to do some information gathering on their victims with no security products installed or updated to detect it, then it has free reign to run around. In other words, if attackers manage to infect a business that they determine looks susceptible to further malware mischief, they focus their resources accordingly. Cybercrime, remember, is a business concern. Time is money. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Matthew Schwartz. That's it for this week's ISMG Security Report. Theme music is by Ithaca Audio. 
I'm Nick Holland. Catch you next time. Thank you.